Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am thrilled you are here again with me this week to talk about a really important topic. But before we get started, I don't know if you can hear some banging in the background, but that is my daughter doing some laundry before she heads off to college. I know I've been talking about this for the last few weeks, if not months, but it's coming. She leaves in just a few days for Stanford. And I am not ready. I'm not ready at all. You know, the time goes by so quickly. And I've talked about it so many times on the podcast of just how proud and inspired I am by her and her journey to get to Stanford. And also how sad I am as a mom in some ways that my baby is leaving the nest. And then there's this whole other chapter that's really opening up for myself and my husband around really embracing this pause in our responsibilities. Obviously, I I will always be a mother, but really kind of embracing the freedom of the time that we'll have for ourselves and to really concentrate on ourselves and our business. So I am going through this whole range of emotions, and I will probably keep talking about it for the next few weeks, if not months. Um, But I just wanted to let you know what was going on. And, you know, part of the reason why Bailey got into Stanford was because of her leadership skills. I'm so impressed by her and in awe of her every day. She's huge in the climate activism world and in the youth climate um, community. And what she has been able to accomplish is you know, aside from her grades, which were incredible. But what she was able to accomplish through this community service was I saw her in meetings. I saw her leading meetings. I saw her leading the openings of chapters all over the world of her youth organization. And I was so inspired by watching her grow into her leadership. And it goes back to something I've talked about on the podcast before, which is that you know, she didn't know anything really about leadership. It wasn't something that came innate to her. In fact, when she was younger, she was very shy and she's grown through the years and become more outgoing, but there's still a shyness to her. And what I've loved about watching her grow into her leadership is her leadership is authentically her. So she isn't watching other leaders in the youth organization and saying, I should be like them. She's really owning and embracing her own leadership. And we've had conversations about what that means to her. What does leadership mean to her? And so as I invite my next guest onto the show and you listen to our conversation, I invite you to think about the same thing for yourself. What does successful leadership mean to me specifically? How do I step into my own authentic leadership? And what does that look like? What does success look like? Because success for you might look completely different than success for the leader serving right next to you, no matter what industry you're in. So I invite you to think about how do you really lean into the strong qualities, the values that you particularly bring to your unique leadership? And so I invite you to think about those things as you listen to the conversation that I have with my next guest. Her name is Wendy Ryan, and she is the CEO of Cadabra, which is an interdisciplinary team of leadership and change experts that are based here in California in Silicon Valley. 
So in addition to her work with Cadabra, Wendy is also an active mentor, strategic advisor. And I love this part. She's an angel investor in early stage BIPOC, as well as LGBTQ plus and women-led companies. And she's an advocate for expanding diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the investor and business ecosystem. And in addition to that, Wendy is the author of Learn, Lead, Lift, which came out in May of this year. And you can order it through her website or through Amazon or wherever you buy books. But I really highly suggest you pick up a copy of her book. Again, it's called Learn, Lead, Lift. And what I appreciate that Wendy does in her research for the book is she interviews people from a wide variety of walks of life in different industries and different backgrounds. And what became really important was she noticed these core tenets of leadership. So she interviewed celebrities, non-celebrities, athletes, artists, investors, government leaders, first responders, um, executives, teachers, parents, consultants, social justice advocates. She really went across industries and across specialties to find what makes core leadership? And as I said in the beginning, I want you and I invite you to think about what does great leadership mean to you? What does great leadership mean to your team? Wendy really breaks these down into three components the mindset of leadership, the skill set of leadership, and the behaviors of leadership. So I can't wait for you to dive in and listen to the conversation that Wendy and I had about how to think, act, and inspire your way to greatness. One of the things I know and Wendy and I cover in this episode is that we all have blind spots. No matter how self-aware we are or we think we are, we all have these blind spots that we're not aware of. And working with a coach can really help alleviate some of those blind spots and enable you to be more productive and more effective. If you're looking for the place to alleviate some of your leadership blind spots, come join us. We have our last Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab that we're enrolling for. Our seventh cohort since last year is starting September 20th. And we have a few seats left and would love to have you join us. If you want more information, just reach out to me via email, natalie at corecreationcoaching.com. And I'd be happy to share more about the program. You can also visit www.womenleadingpowerfully.com. And check out our program. We would love to see you on the inside and know that tackling these blind spots and getting clarity around what's next in your career is really powerful, especially when you do it in community with other women. So the groups are curated to small groups, 12 to 15 women max. And like I mentioned, we have a few seats left for our last cohort, and we would love to have you join us and be a part of it. There's no better time to invest in yourself and your leadership. So on the topic of leadership, let's dive into my conversation with Wendy Ryan. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast 
We'll give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. Wendy, I'm so thrilled you are here today. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you so much for being here and and being open to sharing all of your knowledge and wisdom with us. So glad to be here, Natalie. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I would love if you would just start out by sharing a little bit about yourself, your career history, and we'll go from there. Sure, I'd love to. I was going back to my origin story. I like to tell people guess what? I was born in Wichita, Kansas. So (laughs) I'm about as middle America by origin as one can get. However, I live now and have spent most of my life in Silicon Valley, California, which is a really interesting place. And I think that the, the blend of that is kind of a good analogy for me, which is not only have I lived in Silicon Valley, but I've lived in Boston, I've lived in Madrid, I've lived in Wisconsin, LA, lots of different places. And I I think like a lot of us who have traveled extensively or had the experience of living somewhere else, you know, you sort of go through a process of picking up pieces that interest you and feel authentic to you. And then trying to let some of the other stuff you don't like so much or doesn't suit you so much go. So I think that's a, a really good explanation for who I am. And uh, I'm also uh, proud to say I'm a married mom of three. Can't believe that they're uh, on their way to college now or already in college. And my career uh, outside of just trying to actually take care of three kids and make <laughs> all of that happen, yes. uh, which we know for a lot of women is is especially is such a journey in itself. My career has really been focused on human resources and leadership development and organization development. Uh, those are those are the three buckets that I've played in, and all of that the kind of the unifying theme has been around ultimately leadership and what does it take to help leaders move forward, and so we can make more things happen in the world, more good things happen in the world. Yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And you're also uh, the author of a book. So would love for you to share with my audience about the book, Learn, Lead, Lift, and what inspired you to write it? I am proud to be in the 50 Club. So that means... uh, I am proud to say I'm 52. I think as women, especially, we have to get used to saying that. We claim our age and claim it proudly. So (laughs) thank you. I'm glad you agree. I I completely, I'm in the 50, I'm in the 50 club as well. I'm 51. So I'm right right there with you. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And so I bring that up in part because when people ask me, why did you write the book or what inspired you? I think it's important to be honest that I was looking at 50. I, I turned 49 and I, uh, this was in 2018. And I said, what do I want to do to mark this occasion? Because it felt like a big deal to me. It felt like 50 years on this planet. I've been through a lot of stuff. I've learned a lot. I've done a lot. And, and how do I make sense of all that? And can I do that in a way that's useful? So I was just really drawn to that idea 
more than I was drawn to the opportunity to throw a big party, which I did do for my husband. And that was really fun. So I'm not knocking that or to do something like take a trip somewhere. Now, after being home for two years with the pandemic, there's a small part of me that wishes I had taken that trip of a lifetime, (laughs) but instead I chose to write a book. So I did. And I'm so thankful I did. It took three years. It just came out in 2021. So it took a minute, but it it absolutely was um, something that that I'm so thankful I did. Yes. Well, and I, I love how you marked this occasion with something meaningful by writing the book. And so tell us the backstory of why Learn, Lead, Lift? You know, why is that the book that came out of this occasion for you? So I thought a lot about what is the legacy that I want to leave from my professional career and how do I marry that with the legacy from my personal life and learnings and weave those together in a meaningful way. And because leadership is something that I've always been drawn to, had an affinity for, seemed to to have something to say about, that seemed like the place that, that those two things could come together. And I realized that I had a lot of assumptions about leadership and life. And I thought, you know, what I'd really like to do is honor all these amazing teachers I've had along the way and all this, this knowledge and experience, but I also want to check myself. So I mentioned earlier, kind of my own doctoral thesis. I said, what if I asked a bunch of people who we don't traditionally say are leaders? So I think sometimes when we think leader, we, we think it's somebody sitting in a chair in a boardroom somewhere, mm-hmm. or it's somebody speaking at a podium at a political convention. And that is a very narrow definition of leadership. So I said to myself, hmm, I wonder what artists have to say about leadership or athletes or therapists, parents, investors, you know, people that leader isn't the first tag that that they would put on their social media. So in doing that, what I discovered is, uh, first of all, there was so much wisdom out there that Uh, we may or may not be good at tapping. And so I was really appreciative. I had the opportunity to to do that. And secondly, how universal leadership is. I mean, so sometimes we get really hung up on what are the specific skills I need to be a good leader, as opposed to who am I being as a leader? And why Mm. do I want to lead? So I think the essence of learn, lead, lift is those questions. Who who am I being as a leader? And why do I want to do this in the first place? And that sure. is our starting point. And, and that's that's the book. Sure. And it, it's a big reason why I invited you to come on the show. And I'm so grateful you're here because what I love about the book is this holistic leadership perspective. So it's the whole reason why, as my audience knows, that you know I call the show Lead Your Life because leadership is holistic. It doesn't you don't just become a leader at work, right? You're a leader in your community. You're a leader as a parent. You're a leader as an athlete. So I love the holistic perspective of the leadership that you talk about in the book. And so I'm curious if you could share, what are some of the qualities that you see in who leaders are as they show up as good leaders? What are some of those behaviors? What are some of what are some of the you know qualities that make them that that great leader and inspirational leader? 
So the Learn, Lead, Lift framework looks at three elements that work together to create good leadership. So I'll start there and then I want to hone in on to your question, how do people know they're they're interacting with a great leader? What right. are sort of the things that tip us off? So in the Learn, Lead, Lift framework, we look at mindsets, which is how you think. We look at skill sets, which is what you know or know how to do. And then we look at behaviors, which is how you show up to others. So I can really work on my thinking and cultivate great mindsets for leadership. I can work on becoming an expert at things like strategic planning and holding people accountable and developing others. But if I'm not showing up to others in a way that works for them, that inspires them to follow me, I'm still missing something. So all three of those elements are really important. The specific set of behaviors that that really emerged uh, through my interviews with the book in particular were five. And so there's an acronym that I use called FIDA. F stands for focus. I stands for integrity. D for decisiveness. A for authenticity. And H for humility. So over and over when I talked to people and said, tell me about the best leader you've experienced. What makes them great? Ultimately, those were the five themes that came up over and over. And I thought, wow, this is so interesting because this firefighter who is really a tough guy and is, you know, fighting now wildfires in California is saying the exact same thing as this woman who is a painter who spends all of her time in her painting studio, right? Right. So so it's interesting to me how universal it is and we can get um, a little too focused to get on the skill sets of skill sets are important, but that's where we can play with and we can have that variety that, yes, I need different skills if I'm a chief financial officer than if I am a teacher in a classroom. Sure, sure. And, you know, you have a background in human resources. And so, as you can attest, I think a lot of companies are focused solely in on the skill set of, did you achieve the results? <laughs> you know, did you meet the quarterlies, right? How is profitability, right? So they're all concerned about the KPIs. I think one of the things I appreciated about my 27-year career at Mars, Wrigley, was we were judged, you know, a lot on the results that we achieved, but it was also how we achieved them. So the how was also important. Like, did we live up to the five principles of the company? And I don't know how many companies are really taking into account performance reviews from that perspective. Because like you said, I, I love this framework that you talk about, you know, of the mindsets, the skill sets and the behaviors, because I think so often companies are solely focused in on the skill sets. And so what do, you know, I guess my question to you is, what can organizations do to really embrace these three different facets of leadership and how can they incorporate that into performance reviews? And what does that look like? That is, that is a big question. And it's a great one. <laughs> I think a lot of people have tried and are trying a lot of different things and that's good. I think, you know, part of this is we have to keep iterating. We have to keep experimenting with what is the best way to support people in learning and growing and developing? And how do we 
create different pathways for people to do that. Uh, I think that if we start by looking at the mindset uh, bucket, you mentioned earlier that at Mars, you know, one of the things that was really embedded in the culture there and, and the sounds like the management operating system was this emphasis on alignment to values. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that comes back to that question I said earlier of who am I being as a leader? And why do I want to do this in the first place? And so I think it's important that when we want to help somebody cultivate mindsets, we say, okay, so what are the things that help build awareness around how we think? How are we giving people some tools and knowledge to understand what assumptions they're making and why they're making those assumptions? And what would it look like if they tried on mentally a different set of assumptions? So a lot of the ways that that happens is by people putting themselves into different situations, either voluntarily or the way that corporations or organizations can kind of replicate that is to make sure that the, the learning opportunities they're providing are experiential, whether it's classroom-based or it's online and you're going through a simulation or you're doing a stretch assignment. You know, I, I love it when leaders that I work with, we talk about well, what are you doing to help develop people on your team? And so often we overlook the opportunity to give someone a chance to do something that's a little out of the box for them mm-hmm. and then build in those touch points and those reflection times together to say, what are you learning along the way? What's mm-hmm. working for you? What are you challenged by? So I think it, it's that it's how do we get that application and reflection cycle embedded yeah, absolutely. And um, <laughs> I will add, especially since we're both coaches, and um, we've made a living out of this because we believe so strongly in it, is coaching is so powerful. Whether you're doing team coaching, group coaching, or individual one-on-one coaching, that is the power to give people the time and the space to really reflect on their mindsets. And first of all, build that awareness of what their mindsets even are, right? Of, you know, addressing those assumptions, like you say, asking the powerful questions. What, how else might I look at this situation? How is a way I can reframe it? So, you know, coaching is so powerful for this one piece of it around mindsets. Well, it's important for all of the pieces of the framework, but especially around the mindset is it's just so vital. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? Yes, I think that that coaching, especially with mindsets, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, mm-hmm. That is, mindsets are one of the hardest things to self-develop because we mindsets are like the lenses that we look through the world yeah. with, and so we don't even see them. You know, just like people will talk about racism or systemic oppression and say we don't see the water we're swimming in. It's yep. very similar with mindsets. So unless you you have someone or a guide of some kind to to help you sort of call out some specific mindsets and look at that and and like I said, ask some questions around that, it, it's it's very hard to even know where to start. So mm-hmm. what I love about um, being a coach and working with people specifically on mindsets is number one, it's usually our first starting point. So usually when people want to get better as a leader, I say, well, let's start with your mindsets. And it, and it's always fascinating to see that even a few 
adjustments, minor adjustments people make in their thinking, the huge amount of impact that can have on Mm -hmm. their ability to acquire skills, their ability to show up behaviorally as the leader they want to be. So -hmm. people are often really surprised by how much leverage there is in that. So, So definitely focusing on that as a coach, but also looking for a coach who specifically can help you with mindsets and starting there is going to impact everything else you try to do to get better as a leader. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the other thing I would add too is when you start sitting down and taking the time in this space to ask yourself the questions, ask yourself the powerful questions. Why am I thinking this way? You know, what are my mindsets? What are my assumptions I'm making? When you start asking yourself those powerful questions, you become a better leader naturally because you start to ask others better questions. You come from this place of curiosity, and it really just opens up this beautiful space for you to become a more inspiring leader because you're doing the self-work. And that's that's what I've seen in my practice over and over again. And it really is, it's, it's almost magical <laughs> how it happens. So um, thank you for sharing that. And I'm curious to know with these, with the three buckets, right, the mindset, the skill sets, and the behaviors of your framework, what do you think are the biggest mindset shifts that leaders need to make in order to take their leadership to the next level? What do you see in your experiences, the biggest roadblocks? One thing that I focus on a lot in my practice and with Learn, Lead, Lift in the framework is the idea that how we need to lead now and how we are being called to lead into the future is in some fundamental ways very different than how we have been taught to lead in the past. So when we think about mindsets specifically and we look at what are some of those bigger shifts we need to make, I would say it boils down to a couple of things. One is that identity matters. Most of us were taught that, uh, and, and certainly speaking for myself, that we were not supposed to notice the differences in people. We weren't supposed to call that out. And we were supposed to conduct ourselves in the workplace as if all of us were the same. We were just like mm-hmm. interchangeable parts in a machine. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we're now in a, in a context that that's not working very well. It hasn't worked very well for a while. It's not working very well now. And it's certainly not going to serve us well going into the future. And that's for a lot of different reasons. But I think that's an important one to to start with. Adding to that would be people first. So really developing the thinking muscle as a leader that I need to be thinking about who first, not what or how. Mm -hmm. And then I would have to tag on growth mindset. So believing that we're all capable of learning and that we get to decide when we've reached the end or the limit of our talent or ability, but we need to make sure we don't do that prematurely. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of my top three. And And then I would sneak in grit, which is that resilience and that persistence in in the face of failure, recognizing it. I think this is especially hard for women. When we try to do something new, we, we try to put ourselves out there as we are often encouraged to do. And then we don't get the reception that we thought we were going to get, or we don't get those those positive strokes and that that feedback 
that we were hoping for. We sort of, some of us like to throw up our hands and say, okay, this must mean I'm not meant to do this, or I'm not good at this. And that is the opposite of what we should be doing. What we should be doing, and I have to thank Angela Duckworth for introducing us to grit, mm-hmm. is saying, okay, this this means there's something I need to adjust here, and then I'm going to do it differently and try it again. So those are my, those are mindsets that are, to me, really powerful ones, especially when we think about the context of women in leadership. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that so much. And what I love about what you said is as leaders thinking about the who, not the what and the how, I think that is such a big insight for my listeners to take away. To me, I know leaders I've worked for, that's what's made them an inspirational leader is they really are focused in on the who. And then kind of naturally, the what and the how comes across and the results come across. So thank you for mentioning that. And I also appreciate you mentioning, you know, the mindset shifts that women struggle with and um, and the opportunities for us to change our mindset. And, you know, what I really heard you saying, and I see so much of this in my private practice as well, is women personalizing the results. And, you know, you can get a bad result doesn't mean you're a bad leader. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. And and I think that's why so many women are afraid of taking risk and also afraid of failing because they, they really personalize the failure. And so I love Angela Duckworth's work around grit of building that resilience. And I think it's especially, as you were saying, so important for female leaders. What else do you think is important from either a skill set perspective or a behavior perspective for women leaders to be aware of? I think, you know, important for all leaders is emotional intelligence. And I think for women, a lot of times we assume that we are better at that than we actually are. <laughs> emotional intelligence has a lot of different facets, four in particular. One of those is self-regulation. One is social awareness, for example. And um, so often we're, we are good at one or more of those elements, but not necessarily all of it. So I think it's good for women to, uh, to put themselves in a learner mindset around emotional intelligence in all of its forms and say, where, where do I have some strength and where can I grow a bit more? Because it is so fundamental to, to effective leadership. I think other, uh, another mindset is systems thinking, and this goes along with and, and supports grit to a large extent. Um, we are just not good at, at long-term thinking as humans. We just don't come out of the womb good at this. It's something some of us develop over time and some of us don't really. As leaders, the, the challenge and, and a lot of times what I work with people on is getting used to scenario planning a bit further out. So instead of just looking at, well, if I do this and make this decision, what's going to happen next week or three months from now, I want to challenge people to look further out a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. And it's not to make sure that we're considering so many possibilities that we're overwhelmed, but it's to, to understand that sometimes when we have to do hard things as a leader, that the discomfort we feel is is relatively short-term and temporary compared to the payoff 
um, that can come down the road or the importance of that. So, so part of what systems thinking does is it sort of helps us um, pull ourselves up and supports us with our grit, but it also helps us with clear-eyed decision-making and leadership. And that's really, really important when we're in this largely VUCA context. It's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, it's ambiguous. A lot of uncertainty and unpredictability. So so a lot of times it's not so much about being able to predict exactly what can happen, but we need to get better at thinking long-term, not just the short-term payoff. Mm -hmm. No, I really appreciate that. One of my follow-up questions to that, you brought up you know, living in in VUCA, <laughs> VUCA leadership times, right, where everything is uncertain. I mean, we've dealt with the last year and a half of COVID. And I was working with a group of leaders this morning, in fact, and we were talking about what ideal leadership and high impact inspiring leadership looks like. And they named all these great qualities, right? All of the qualities that you would expect. And then one of the follow up comments is, you know, I feel like I'm that type of leader, except when I'm stressed. Mm. You know, I can, I can, I feel like very confident in my leadership, but then I get stressed out and <laughs> the shit hits the fan, right? And so, you know, I'm wondering if there's anything that came up in your book, in your research for the book, um, where you talk about how do you be a good leader? And how do you exemplify good leadership while under stress? I think telling the truth about that is so important. It starts with uh, leaders recognizing there's power in us showing up authentically, not in a superficial way, but in terms of this is what's going on for me right now. I realize that I'm under stress. I realize that I was a little short and abrupt in that meeting. I realize that I haven't been as good about hitting my deadlines or, or getting back to you in response to questions as I usually am. And here's what I'm going to do to fix that. Or here's how I'm dealing with that. Here's how you can help me. So modeling vulnerability, modeling authenticity, and, and owning that is so, so important. And here's why. Number one, we, we have to get away from this notion that we have to be perfect to be great leaders. And uh, coming back to, to women again, perfectionism is, is certainly one of the signs of, um, of our culture. And some people would call that a white supremacy culture. It's also something that women in particular tend to internalize. If, if we're not 150% good at this, then we're, we're terrible at it. And so I think the more we practice that muscle of saying, yeah, you know, I am under pressure and I'm and I'm noticing that this is how it's impacting me and here's what I'm going to do about it and sharing that with our team. You're you're enabling the people around you to feel confident that they can continue to grow and get better because they don't have to be perfect to be like you. Because you're not perfect. So that's so important. And then secondly, it's giving ourselves permission to say, you know, there is room here, there is runway. The important thing is that I'm focused on what I'm going to do about things, even if it takes me a minute to figure that out, than to, um, you know, to be really unkind to myself and say, why is it that, you know, you you would never, I often uh, with clients say, would, and they say, well, I tell myself this, this, and this. I say, well, would you tell your best friend that? 
I say, no, never. And I said, well, then why are you talking to yourself that way? I know. Yeah, I know. It is really sad. I, I mean, and I'm a victim of that myself, right? I mean, I, I think we all have that inner critic inside of us and, um, some of it's just being aware of that you have this inner critic, that that voice isn't yours (laughs) and you have the opportunity to turn it down. So I, I love that you shared that. I'm curious while you were writing the book and doing your interviews over the course of three years, what surprised you that came up from your interviews or any interesting stories that came up that you want to share? So many interesting stories came up and a lot of those stories made it into the book. Some did not uh, out of respect for all the parties involved. It was, it was better not to include them, but I, I really was genuinely moved and surprised by n- not just the journey that the people I interviewed had been on, but the level of insight and a contribution that they had to leadership. And each one of them is sort of a precious gift to me in, in, each, in their way. So it's hard to pick one and say, well, this is my favorite or this was really compelling. But I'll go back to, because he's on my mind, um, Jake Hess, who's uh, with Cal Fire and uh, has been for many years. He started out, I wanted to interview him because he uh, was part of a team that I was working with um, in a professional capacity. And he just, he just had, there was something about him that I thought, this, this guy knows something about leadership. You can just tell he's, he's good with people. And I, I'm really curious about what is this like from a first responder perspective? And so he agreed to interview and luckily I caught him when it was not fire season. So we lucked out there. Right. And his backstory is fascinating. He started out as a professional cyclist and he, he rode bicycles. He raced, uh, think, you know, team USA type level. I mean, he went over to Europe. He was, uh, part of the Peloton and all that world of racing. And eventually he figured out that he, he wasn't, quite going to make it to, you know, where he could meddle. So he thought, I got to change careers. And he knew a couple of people who had entered the fire service. And he thought, "Mm, that's something I think I could do. And what he heard from people was, oh, no, you'll never get that job. No one ever gets those jobs unless you are part of a firefighting family, or you have some sort of inside connection, you just, you won't get that job. And Jake hearing that because of, of who he is and the grit that he has and the growth mindset that he has, he said, you know, I heard that and said, what do you mean? All I have to do is learn everything there is to know about being a firefighter, sleep in my car, get up and, you know, take a five-hour exam. And he said, that's easy compared to riding a bike for 110 miles in a race. Cycling is all about preparation and suffering. And oh, wow. it's actually been great preparation for the fire service. And mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, like that's it right there. So just, just the power of mindset. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing that the story that he tells, I think it's just beautiful is um, several stories in the book that, that he will tell. But one, he, he says, I told a group of chiefs once that um, if you are chewing someone out in the engine, right? Sitting there, you sit in the front of the truck, you're chewing Uh them out, you know, because they've done something you don't appreciate. 
And then 30 seconds later, later you're in a fire uh, structure fire together. And you think that that person, it's, it's not going to make a difference, their effort to pull you out to safety. You're wrong. What you mm-hmm. can throw that brotherhood shit out the door. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you treat people like that, it makes a yeah, difference. And it matters. It matters. And mm-hmm. so so my point is you can be in a field, in a fire somewhere, and I could have that same conversation with a CEO at a Fortune 500 company. If you berate your people or if you take someone in the office and yell and scream at them and then expect them to have your back. Right. When when numbers are down and we need to pull together to you know hit, a, hit it over the goal line, right? It's just not going to happen. It's, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm curious, what did you learn along the way about yourself and your leadership? Thanks for asking that. I I don't know that I've gotten that question a lot, which, which I love getting it now. Um, I think I learned that I've always felt like leadership was hard. Great leadership was and needed to be hard it, it, because it wasn't about the, the role or the title or the accolades. It was about influencing people to achieve something that's not just totally self-serving. And I felt like everything that went into writing the book and, and researching for the book really affirmed for me that what I had always sensed about leadership, even though a lot of people have told me over the years, you're really good at it. I worked really hard at it. I didn't, it didn't come easily and it wasn't easy. And to this day, I lead an amazing team and hopefully most of them would say that the leadership thing is something I do well. I work really hard at it. I work really hard at it. And so it's worth it, but it is, it is something that takes effort and intentionality and commitment to do well. Sure. Well, First of all, I love your authenticity about sharing that, that, you know, it doesn't come not naturally, but it's, it's hard, right? So I love that you say, you know, I've had to work at it. And, and also what I'm hearing, kind of the gift in that statement is leadership is a skill that is learnable. And so many people have this misconception that you're either born a great leader or you're not. And so I love that you share this personal example of your own leadership, because I think it's inspiring to so many people to know that leadership is possible if you do the work, just like anything else, just like the planning and preparation for the Peloton and, and you know, your your guy riding 110 miles. I mean, that takes that takes preparation. You don't just get on a bike and ride that many miles. Right. There's there's work and there's planning and there's prep and all of that. And there's training and there's mistakes along the way. You don't just get on and do it perfectly. And so I love kind of, you know, meshing these two stories together because it is a learnable skill. And, you know, pr- people need to invest in their professional development in themselves, whether it be a self-help book whether that be taking a course, whether that be hiring a coach, you are the owner of your personal leadership journey. And so I love that you share that. And I really, really appreciate it. 
as my listeners know, I'm always about turning insight into action. That's really important to me in the podcast. And so I'm curious to know, what is one insight that either we've talked about today already or an insight from the book that you would, you know, help my audience put into action or how would you inspire them to take action on something? Uh, One of the things I was really committed to in structuring the book was that it be very modular. So each chapter is short and it has key takeaways and then what you can do about it. So you can literally open up the book, read one single chapter and instantly have, here are the quick main ideas. And then here, here are the things you can do next if you want to do something about that. So that I put that out there as an invitation to say, you know, this is the kind of book that is really designed for that to help you put insight into action and do that really quickly. Um, and each chapter can stand alone. You don't have to read the whole thing to benefit. So that, that's one starting point. I think, um, you know, we've been talking about women in leadership. We've been talking about um, mindsets and traveled a lot of great territory in this conversation. I think that um, in terms of, of putting things into action from here, I would come back to that question of and invite people to write down, like, who do I want to be as a leader? And why do I want to do it? Starting with those two questions. And then based on what those answers are, I think that often illuminates what's the next step we should take. Mm-hmm. Some of us end up in leadership, not by our own choice, right? And that's okay. It, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be there. It doesn't mean that it's not for you. But when you're there, what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really the starting point and the invitation I would have to the listeners is start there. Yes, I love that. And what I offer to everyone listening is head to Wendy's website, which is learn, lead, lift, all one word.com. And you can buy the book there and start taking action. So buy her book and, you know, read the, read the chapters, start implementing your own leadership journey and start taking that action, which we all know is so important because you can read about riding a bike, but until you're actually riding the bike and putting those skills into practice, we know it doesn't happen. So pick up Wendy's book. I highly recommend it. It's fabulous. Wendy, appreciate the conversation. Any last words of wisdom for my listeners before we close out our conversation today? Uh, I always want to say, especially to other women leaders out there, I see you. You're doing good things and keep going. Oh, such powerful words. Thank you, Wendy, for the conversation. I've really appreciated it. Take care, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.